uh, we've been going through our mission statement, the Living Spring mission statement, and if you're new, you're here on a great week because you can kind of get an idea of what we're all about here. And um, basically, I'll, I'll just real quickly uh, go over these five circles and how we kind of see people and where they are in their relationship with God and how we've identified them. And then I'll talk a little bit about how uh, we want to see the love of God affect each one of those circles. So if you see the five circles, the first one is the community. And that's just basically everyone around our church that we just have contact with, our neighborhood, the people in your neighborhood, that's our community. And then there's the crowd and then the congregation, and then the committed, and then the core. And so at Living Spring, we're always going to be pushing you to the next level. If you're part of the community, we'd like to get you here to hear about the love of God. We want to get you into our crowd, if you will. And so um, if you're part of the crowd, we want to get you as part of the congregation. We want you getting, coming here on Sunday morning, hearing the word of God, seeing how it really does apply to our lives and how our lives uh, can, can be better because of it. And if you're, if you're uh, part of the congregation, we want to make you committed. We want to get you to be committed, to operate more in your gifts and more uh, how the Holy Spirit designs you to, to, uh, to operate. And then if you're committed, we want to get you into the core to be operating with your finances and your gifts and learning more of the scripture and all this kind of stuff. And so the way we, we, we do that, you can't do all of that on a Sunday morning. And so we've divided our mission into three pillars, if you will. The first is reach, and that covers the, out, the outer two bands. And so we want to reach our neighborhood, our, our, uh, our, our uh, mission statement says, with the love of the Father. Reach our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father. And we talked about that last week. And what we talked about last week was uh, we want to reach our neighborhood because we've seen some things and we've heard some things that we know are going to help them. And so we invite them to come to church. And that's what those cards are for. Those cards are for us to break out of our shell, to go, look, we're starting a series on relationships. I know you've talked about your wife or all this kind of stuff. We're talking about some tools that we can use to help us in our relationships. And so that's, that's reach. And then what we're going to talk about this morning is restore. Restore. And so um, we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. So this is going to be your big boy service, okay? So if you, you know, we're going through two pretty big sections of scripture, and so if that bores you or whatever, we're going to put on our big boy hats, and we're going to look at the Bible and see uh, what the Bible has to say. So restore, before we kind of get into the scripture, I want to give you an idea of what that word means to living spring. And if you look at the word restore in the Bible, it's a Greek word and it's very complex and it's very rich and it essentially means it's, it's, it's like setting a broken bone. And I put three uh, different ways that it's, it's, it's um, used. It's fixing what is broken, bringing back into proper alignment, supplying what is lacking. Really the whole thing is to bring back to the intended purpose. You, you were intended for a purpose. And so at Living Spring, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach with the gospel, and then when we get people here, restore them to a healthy life uh, in relationship with Jesus. And we all love restoration stories, don't we? I mean, don't you love hearing a story about a guy who was on Skid Row and he had maybe some type of substance abuse or something, or he'd gotten, lost his job and he was homeless, and then you hear about him working through, and then he becomes a CEO of a corporation, and you go, yeah, that's, that, 
That's great. I mean, doesn't that, that there's some, a part of our, of our human nature that loves those stories. We love to see people, uh, maybe a marriage that was uh, rocked and it's just barely hanging on. And then we see that couple maybe five years down the road and they say, yeah, our, our marriage was what? Restored. Or maybe you watch The Biggest Loser, right? I got a picture right here of The Biggest Loser. That guy, he went from that to that. And we go, yeah, the one on the right, that's what it's supposed to be. There's some part of our nature, some part of the way we're, we're, we're made up that where we can identify the way something's supposed to be. That comes from the Spirit of God. So if the guy on the right becomes the guy on the left, we go, oh man, what happened? Right? We don't go, well, good for him. He's three times the size he's supposed to be. No, we, 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 we know that. We like restoration stories. We like stories that go from bad, from, from good to great or bad to great or whatever. The same thing happens in, in, in automobiles. If you look at this Mustang, okay, that's, uh, that, that's in somebody's yard. Actually, my next door neighbor's. No, it's not. <laughs> His car quite, isn't quite, quite that bad, but it's it's pretty close, okay? And so, so we look at that and we go, yeah, what a nice car. No, that, that's not the purpose. That's not the intended purpose of that car. And then we look at this car. That's, uh, yeah, that's Kai's. That's our youth director's car. That car used to look like the car before it. But now it looks like that car. And we, we celebrate that because we understand that that car was restored to its intended purpose. That's why it's there. And so what happens is we, we, we know, we can see what it's supposed to be. We understand what it's supposed to be and we lament or we go, oh man, but here's the thing to understand. Once the restoration process begins, we kind of go, oh good. I don't know if you've ever been uh, driving around your neighborhood and there's been that house that was just all jacked up and the weeds are all high and it just looks terrible. That's my house. And so, uh, but then, then you see, you're walking by one day and you see maybe one of the pillars is sanded and there's some primer on there. And already you look at that house completely different Everything else is the same, but that primer means, oh, they're restoring it. And now you can be a little more patient because you know somebody's on it and there's a process. That's built into our human nature. As long as there's someone's on it and we see this process, we know what it should be, we know what it is, and we say, man, I, I want to get it to that part. Well, listen, the Spirit of God knows this part of us, and he wrote about it in 2 Corinthians with the Apostle Paul. And so um, what, what I want us to get, and if you look at your bulletin, um, the top one, it says restoration is, and here's what you're going to put in there, because we're going to talk about this this morning. Restoration is a next step process. Restoration is a next step process. Every step you're doing is to prepare you for the next step when you're restoring something. I'll give you an example. When Lisa and I bought our first house, it was in Lakewood. It was 900 square feet, and it was a piece. I mean, we, we put every dime we had into the down payment of that house. I sold my last pair of sneakers on the street to get the $2 more I needed to put a down payment on that house. 
And so we, I mean, it was just like, I had a professor in college that said, you stretch to buy your first house. You know, I, str- I was pulling ligaments. I mean, w- I was stretching to buy my first house. So we walked in and we were like, it's perfect. It had that nasty, now, if, okay, if I'm describing <laughs> any of your houses, you know, because I know the wives are going to be like, see, I told you we should get rid of that. Okay, because that's how wives talk, right? Like that. See, I told, okay. Anyway, so um, you can send all your emails to Pastor Carlos. Okay, so <laughs> we had that cottage cheese stuff on the top, the acoustic ceiling, and we had this real nice, very nice shag carpet that was about this, this thing and and so what, what, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. When we walked into that house, we didn't see it for what it was. We saw the possibilities. And I remember talking to the real estate agent. I said, does it have hardwood floors? And they said, yes, it does. That's all. Okay, just so you know, in the future, ask a little more questions than that, okay? <laughs> I was naive. And the, remember that? I asked, I asked the question. I said, hey, you know, we got, you know, does it have hardwood floors? I'm getting to that part of the story, by the way. Okay, so um, <laughs> she's talking to the family. Oh, yeah, and then know what we did. I'm like, I'm the one preaching. Okay, so we, we get in there, and it has hardwood floors. Okay, sold. Where do we sign? No, 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 no. Great, here's all our money. Here are my sneakers. We're all ready to go. Here we go. So we, so what we see, I can see the crown molding. I can see the ceiling scraped. I can see beautiful hardwood floors underneath my bare feet just walking in luxury, 900 square feet of luxury. Huh? <laughs> I see what's unseen, so I begin the process on what is seen, and I pull back the carpet, and technically there were hardwood floors under there, (laughs) right? I pull it back, and there are hardwood floors, and there are these, there's really no other way to describe them. They're pea stains from a very large animal. Like somebody went to the Serengeti, got something that was on the range there, brought it into their house and gave it a bunch of water and said, go for it. Because I'm telling you, they were huge pea stains. And so if you're offended by that, I don't have another way to say it. And so, so I'm like, no problem, no problem. Okay, here's the thing. Restoration is a next step process. I knew what I wanted. I could see it. I could see what was unseen. I saw what was seen, and I began to work on that. Well, with hardwood floors, just so you know, because I know the process now, you don't just pull the carpet back and throw varnish on it and say, I got hardwood floors. First, when you pull the carpet back, you sweep. That's the first step. You sweep all that kind of stuff up. And then you realize there are little staples <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I mean, Everywhere. I don't know who stapled that thing, but they're just like, ching, 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 ching. You know, they're like, yay, rolling around, stapling. I mean, they were everywhere. So you have to take the screwdriver and you have to go and you have to take up every single staple, you know? So that's, this, that's another process. Then you have to sand, okay? So, so I got to the sanding process. I'm like, no problem. I'll just sand away the pea stains. So I'm sanding around. They give you this machine that is awesome. Floor, uh, look, I was going to say the word. You you guys are like, you'll never get it. Yes, I I had it. It's a buffer, like a floor buffer, except you stick sandpaper on it. So I'm going over all the things, and 
and, and I just wanted to be done. But man, you go over that pee stain, and it just doesn't do anything. So you have to get heavier sandpaper. I got heavier sandpaper. I go over the pee stain. Nothing. I mean, it's starting to make a little dent, literally, in my floor. But, <laughs> but it's, not, it's not working. So I go back to Home Depot, and the guy, the guy they know everything and you know nothing, so you kind of come in, you know, dear sir, I, I, I am so stupid in home improvement. Yeah, and then he goes through the berating process. Yes, I understand. You did what? Oh, hey, Joe. They do that. They get me the sandpaper thing. It's for sanding concrete, which I didn't even know you could do. Apparently you can. And it's got nails and barbed wire and like, I mean, it's just the nastiest looking thing. So I start going over the pee stain, and it's, it's starting to work. And I get rid of all the pee. Now, my floor is kind of going like this. <laughs> Excuse me. But I get rid of the pee stain. Then I have to go take the next sandpaper and the next sandpaper and the next sandpaper until finally I'm doing the whole floor on fine sandpaper. Restoration is a next step process. And God is in the restoration business. And because he is, and because it's a next step process, Living Spring has chosen restore to be one of our pillars. It's not enough just to reach. It's not enough to just say, hey, Jesus loves you. Oh, have a nice day and accept Christ and raise your hand and gone. Now comes this process, this next step process of becoming like Christ. And so in 2 Corinthians if you look on your bulletin, in our mission statement, uh, you'll see reach, restore, and respond. And with restore is a scripture verse. And it's this one right here. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is going to be very important as we move on this morning. I could have pulled back the carpet and gone, oh no, there's no way. Put the carpet back on and said, honey, it's shag all the way. Right? <laughs> Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Restoration, this renewal, is a next step process. Day by day. Now I want to show the two cars here. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the top one and look at the bottom one. And I'm going to read a larger section of scripture here. Remember, I said this is big boy service today. I'm going to read the larger section of Scripture, and while I'm reading it, listen to what I'm reading, and then kind of have your eyes go back and forth over the old and the new, the unrestored and the restored, and see if you can picture in your mind's eye what Paul is talking about. I'll, I'll help you to begin with. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light... And momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on un what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. And an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So what is mortal may be swallowed up 
by life. God is in the restoration business. And restoration is a next step process. Don't, don't you wish you could be that car up at the top, come to Jesus and drive off like that? God's not in that business. I wish, I wish he was. I wish I could just raise my hand and go, Lord, I want to follow you forever. And hey, all right, this is fantastic. For some reason, God has chosen this process of, of what we call in the church sanctification. It's a big word which means becoming who God wants you to be. It's holiness. And so the things that you notice about the car are on top uh, it doesn't have any tires, <laughs> you know, those big things. As you begin to be restored in God, as he begins to, as you begin to groan and he begins to work on, on this, this process of who you are and who, who, who he wants you to be, we groan and we long for this, but God says, no, restoration is a step, is a next step process. And so he begins the process of what's the next step for you. And you know what we've done in the church I believe. I believe what we've done is we've spent a bunch of time restoring ourselves and we've forgotten the process involved. So somebody walks through the doors, not here at Living Spring, but as a church in general, and maybe they get a new set of tires and they're here or whatever and they, they cuss or whatever and we say, hey, don't you, hey, none of that language here. Don't you cuss in here. And the guy's like, oh, sorry, you know, I, I didn't mean that. I mean, how dare we begin to judge this restoration process? We're to be involved in it. Church is not a showroom for a bunch of different cars that look perfect. Church, Living Spring, is a garage. And there are some cars that are farther along than others, but restoration is a next step process. You can't rush the restoration process. You can't uh, leave steps out. And so what I want us to see here, check this out, is verse five that we're getting to. Now, this is, we've read all that scripture. Now, it is God who made us for this very purpose. What very purpose? That we would be the car on the bottom. And he has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing that that's going to happen. Guaranteeing what's to come. And so here's what happens. We come to Christ, we're a rusty old car, and we pull into the, to the garage, and God begins to move in our hearts, and he says, you know what, you're going to become like this car. Now, it won't happen perfectly until, you, until you're dead, <laughs> And so you just go, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, I'll just wait till I'm dead. That's not how he designed it. He's in the restoration business. And so he begins this process, and he goes, you know what we're going to work on first? We're going to work on your tires. We, you have an addiction problem that we've got to get rid of. And then someone in the church goes, he needs a new paint job. And the Lord's like, okay, thanks. And we say, let's get you some new tires. Let's fix your marriage. You know, how about the chrome on the bumper? Okay, got it, church person, I appreciate that. See, the church is not a showroom. It's a garage. And God's in the restoration business. And restoration is a next step process. Now, where am I going with that? 
God has given us a, the Spirit as a, uh, as a deposit, guaranteeing uh, what is to come. Isn't it, isn't it neat how um, when you see something being restored, like when I see that car that Kai did, that, and, and I see pictures of what it was before, and I see it now, where does the glory go? It goes to Kai. The car didn't do anything on its own. I just go, man, how in the world did you do that? Now, if he said, oh, I just bought another, I just bought a car. You go, oh, that's cool. Congratulations. But if he says, here's what I did. I pulled it into my garage, and I knew right away we had some problems with the front end. So I began to take my grinder out, and I cut out that whole front end. He, st- he does. He talks like this, and my stomach's in knots. I'm like, ew, oh, I would have just gone and bought one. See, restoration is this intimate process. And so when it gets all done, I look and I go, Kai, you are amazing. See, because it's this process, God looks at you as what is unseen. You can look at yourself and go, oh, I got all these problems. I got all these things. I got all these. But God sees what is unseen. And he says, oh, man, wait till you see when I'm done with that. Guess where the glory is going to go? It's going to go to God. And yet sometimes, as Christians, we drive up fully restored, going, I don't have that dented bumper. And the Lord's like, you will. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You get T-boned on the freeway. What? No. Okay. So it, it's this process. Now, I want to I read another section of Scripture that's going to tie all this together. And it's so exciting. We're going to break it down. Okay. Okay, watch this. This is so cool. And you know what is also is cool? It's written by Peter, who is like, is he not the perfect example of one being restored? You see how he started out fishing with all the whatever fishermen cuss words and he smells and all that stuff. Now he's writing books of the Bible. I mean, you talk about someone who understands the restoration process. Does he not understand it? I mean, and did you see how Jesus, through his three years of ministry, was constantly correcting, constantly cutting pieces out, constantly sanding different parts of Peter's life? Now he's writing scripture. You think Peter did that? He had a part of it, and that's what we're going to read about. And this was so cool. What way do you see this? 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Two exciting things in in this section of scripture I want you to see. You were called by his glory and goodness. He saved you from the junkyard. He saw something in you that you could not have seen in yourself. He rescued me. I was just a junk heap, worthless, no good. My tires were falling off. I was sitting there worthless in somebody's front yard. And he snatched me out of that. He saw something in me. And his divine power has given us everything we need for this restoration process. If you picture it this way, let's, let's use Kai again as an example. Imagine a car shows up, all beat up, all rusted out, and it shows up in his garage. And it doesn't look any different than it looked like on my neighbor's lawn. And there it is. And it sits there. And Kai walks around it, and he goes, 
we're going to need two new doors. They're over there. Whoops. Uh, he's going to need a new front end. I've got that over here. It's going to need a paint job. It's over there. I'll mix the paint here. I got my sprayer. We're going to need a new engine. That's over here. We'll get that done. Everything that car needs is in that garage. In the same way, God has supplied everything you need for life and godliness. We have access to it. It's in the garage. Now, is the car done? Abs- no, it's not. Is there still work to be done? Yeah. Is there things that are going to have to be cut out? Absolutely. But restoration is a next step process. And if you rush one of the steps, it's going to show up later on down the road. If you just paint over the rust and go, that did not look good. I had a Plymouth Champ. Okay, this car, my brother gave it to me, which I thought was a big blessing. It's a Plymouth Champ, right? It has, it's, it, it's, it's like a, a Pinto, only more combustible, okay? <laughs> and I, I don't know anything about cars. You know, Kai, when Kai talks, he talks in, you know, the flipping burger, burger, rotor, and the cam thing, and go, I don't know what he's talking about. It's all gibberish to me. So I got my Plymouth Champ. I was in college. I was super excited, and, and it had a dent. It had a crease in the side door. And I wasn't aware that you're supposed to pull those out. I just was, I knew this product is called Bondo, and it was a wonder product. And so what I did was I, 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 I got the Bondo. I went down to the shop, and I said, oh, here's my Bondo. And it's just a little can. And I'm like, do you have a bigger can? <laughs> and the guy's like, no. I, okay. So I got it, and you mix it up and everything. And by the way, it, it, it hardens real fast. So that was that can, okay? <laughs> that, I, and I, that, was, that was the next step process of learning. You can't just let it sit there and go get a sandwich, all right? <laughs> I get the next can. I pull it out, mix it up, and I'm going real fast. And it barely fills this thing in. I go back again. The guy's like, dude, what are you sniffing this stuff? I mean, he's like calling the, yeah, I think we got another one, you know. So I get all my cans. I, well, you're supposed to pull the dent out so that you only need a little bit. You guys are like, I know. Well, I didn't, okay. So as I'm riding in my Plymouth Champ, that like 500 pounds of Bondo is, you know. And so, you know, I painted over it and it looked great. And then you know, you hit a little bump and it's like, you know, and so you start to see, you start to see the old thing. Well, here's what, here's what, here's what you find out about Bondo. Restoration is a next step process and every step you take is to prepare you for the next step. Step one, pull the pick and dent out first, okay? If you don't do that, you will pay later, okay? Now, his divine power has given everything we need for restoration. It's all in the garage. It's all set up, okay? Now watch. Through these, now what does he mean these? Well, his, his glory and goodness. His, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, listen, okay, let's just stop right there. You know what his great and precious promises are? Whew. It's a tongue twister is what it is. His great and precious promises are this. Look, I know where you are right now. I got it. But I'm going to promise you this. In my hands, you're going to become that other car. 
That's his great and precious promise. Look, I picked you, I chose you, I brought you in, I know about the rest, I know about the front end problem, I know your motor doesn't work, but here's my promise to you. If you would allow me to take step after step after step with you, I promise you you're going to look like that one day. Even, to, even, even in this world, everything we need for life and godliness. That's his great and precious promise. So that through them, you may, this is so awesome, participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Is that the most exciting thing you've ever heard? Y- you come off the front lawn of, of some rednecks uh, thing. I'm white, so I can say that. It's so wonderful. Uh, you come off of that. And God says, I'm going to promise you something. If you would allow me to go through every step, this next step and this next step, you're going to participate in my divine nature. That is extraordinary. Not to be on the showroom floor, but to be flying down the mountain roads at the posted speed limit. Taking corners and we were were designed. Restoration is bringing us back to our intended purpose. And our intended purpose is not to sit out rusted on a lawn and not to sit there going around real slow on a showroom floor. It's to participate in his divine nature. Isn't that exciting? And we have it all there in the garage ready to use. But restoration is a next step process. And so we get antsy and we get discouraged. And even though Paul says don't lose heart, we kind of do because, man, this has taken a long time. And really I have to cut out that section of my life? Can't we just cover it with paint? Can't we just fill it with 50 pounds of Bondo? I'll drive real careful. It won't fall off, I promise. And the Lord says this. He says, I promise you It's so important for us to get, guys. I promise you, if you would just submit your life to me and you allow this step, this step's going to affect this step and this this step's going to affect this step and I promise you, if you allow that, you're going to participate in my divine nature and you're going to be restored back to your intended purpose. So it goes on. It says, for this very reason. For what very reason? Well, for the reason that you'd participate in his divine nature. Now, this is so awesome. Make every effort. Well, wait a minute. I I thought God was doing the restoration process, and I just sat there, and he would just do his thing, and then, you know, okay, it's a next step process. Here's the thing. One of my favorite verses is, therefore, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's in Galatians 6.1. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who's at work in you. In other words, you work out while he works in. It's this process. We actually get to participate in our own restoration process. We don't just sit there. So he says, for this very reason, make every effort, every effort. If you go to seminary and you spend four years getting your master's and then you go on and get your PhD, you're going to learn a Greek word at the end of that 10 years for every. And you know what it means? Every. And you will spend all that money to get exactly what I'm telling you right now. Make every effort 
The Greek word means every. Anything that gets in the way of that restoration process, you need to get out of there. You ever seen somebody's garage? They got a car they're trying to fix up and there's a surfboard on top of it and it's got folded clothes on it and there's a ping pong table shoved in the back seat and it just becomes... Making every effort is clearing out the workspace so that the car that's supposed to be worked on does, isn't just a holder for something else. Make every effort means to take it all off the car, to make the workspace clean, because there's everything you need is right there. You just have to be able to get to it. So make every effort. Now watch. Make every effort to add to your faith, and he starts this next step process in Second Peter. Add to your faith goodness. And then once you've worked on that, to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now, why didn't Peter just say, for this very reason, make every effort to love? It's the end product. It would have sounded good. That would have fit in the Bible. I would have expected to read that in the Bible. Therefore, for this very reason, make every effort to love. Well, why didn't he say that? Because God's in the restoration business. And the restoration is a next step process. So you start with faith. You drive in. No one comes to the Father. You're saved by grace through faith. So you drive up into the thing or you're towed in or however you get into the garage. You get there by faith. That's great. Now, let's throw a little goodness in there. Don't cuss out the pastor when he's done. Oh, okay, didn't know that, right? So we do our goodness. We do the things that all come naturally. Don't lie, don't steal, uh, you know, don't deal drugs. I got all that, that's goodness. But then it goes on, knowledge. Oh, you mean there's more goodness? Oh yeah, there's a lot more. See, what, what was once acceptable has, is now unacceptable as you begin to be restored. If I go to that old nasty car and I take my key along the side and go, everyone's just like, ha, 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 ha. I do it to Kai's car. <laughs> I'm in prison for a little while. Why? Because the restoration process has gone through this step by step by step and the things that were once a little bit okay before are not okay now because you're getting closer to that divine image. It goes on. Goodness. Uh, knowledge. So you get knowledge and then you realize, man, I don't have any self-control in any of these areas. And so you, with all your heart, you determine to have self-control. And that lasts you one day. And the next day you're back into it again. That's why after that it says self-control, perseverance. You kind of need self-control every day. And you go, oh man. Ugh. Right? So it's moving forward. And perseverance, godliness. Now you're starting to look like, like, like Jesus would look like if he were walking around. Godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. Isn't it funny that godliness and brotherly kindness are right next to there? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it ends with love. See, Peter knows. Peter lived this out. Jesus said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And he dropped his net by faith. And he started following Jesus. And now he's writing about love. Now watch this. This is the most exciting part of the whole thing. If you've been falling asleep, wake up. Here we go. Watch. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and you say, but John, I don't possess these qualities. Yes, you do. Go back to the first verse we looked at. You've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. 
You have the kindness, you have the self-control, you have the knowledge, the perseverance, you just have to access it. And that's what church is. Church is finding out through the word of God what my next step is. Church is going to the 101 class and then the 201 class and the 301 class to see how I was designed and, and what my ministry might be. It's being involved in a small group. And in this and in small group, someone's showing you how to use a tool and you're seeing from someone else's life how their front end was all jacked up and how the word of God kind of repaired it. And you go, oh, now I understand why he needs to cut that part out of my life. It's all there. So if you have them, and Peter's saying, you got them, and they're increasing, and this is the new standard. If they're increasing, so in other words, if you're, involved in the restoration process guess what happens to you it's found in this next verse they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ listen all you have to have is have them and be working on them because restoration is a next step process and then guess what you are valuable to the kingdom of god you don't have to be a showroom car in order to be used by him this is what Peter's saying. And for too long, the church has had a showroom car guy or girl standing up preaching the word, going, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And they're doing everything, and there's a bunch of cars being worked on at all different levels going, man, I can't do anything. And that's not biblical. Now, there are certain, you have to have the tires on before you could, I mean, there are certain things that, certain qualifications that leaders have. But other than that, if you're working on it, if you've got, if you know, if, you, if you're beginning to work and you go, man, you know what, I need, to, I need to work on this and I need to work on that, that process of coming to Christ needs to be shared. You are valuable, even rusted out, as long as you're beginning on that restoration process. Now, there are some things you can do, some things you can't do, but you don't have to just sit there and wait for it to all be worked out before you can be used. That's what Peter's saying. And guess what? Peter experienced it, didn't he? I mean, the guy was not even close to having it all figured out. And he's involved in feeding the 5,000. He walks back and he gets more bread. He's just like, this is awesome. Was Peter ready to write 2 Peter yet? No, no, he wasn't. He still had to cut off some guy's ear and have Jesus put it back on. He still had to deny his Savior. He still had a lot of things that he had to work out. Maybe he had self-control for a day. Well, he, to that self-control, he needed to add some perseverance. Did God use him? Yeah, God used him. Even when things weren't completely worked out. And that's what the word, that's what the God has for you this morning. You can't use the excuse I'm rusted out. You can't, you, you, as if you're serious about this restoration process, then begin to be used by him. Let it, ha let it flow in your house. Begin to look at your life and go, okay, Lord, show me what my next step is. If I could just share for a second how I view Living Spring. Um, because I see Living Spring in like one, three, five, and ten year segments. And oftentimes I visualize Living Spring by what is unseen. Yeah right? I love what is seen. I love it. But I, I, a lot of times, just like that old house, I think, oh man, when the day when we get this in place and this in place and this in place. And the, the word picture I'd like to use is uh, the transmission went out on our, our uh, van. 
and um, that's just a code word for we spent a lot of money this week. Uh, and so when we drove up to the place, it, 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 was, a, it was a garage that kind of went like an L, and there were just bays all, all in that garage. And every bay was full, and every car was up on a lift, the, the thingamalifter. And uh, every car is in there. And there's people scurrying all around, fixing different things and doing that. And there were, there were cars waiting in the parking lot, mine, and all, all this kind of stuff. That, that is living spring to me. Now, now we're not there yet. We, we don't have all the tools. We don't, all the bays aren't open. Some of the lifts are kind of, you know, we got to get them fixed. But, but ultimately, if you just humor me for a little bit, we take old dilapidated cars we go out and we reach out and we find these cars in the junkyards and in people's front lawn and in people's garages and we take them and we bring them into this place loving them just as we they are because we see the unseen in them and we begin to work on them. And there's many workers because we're all using our gifts. And some are good at uh, taking the engine apart. And some are good at putting them back together. And some are good at hanging an air freshener on, on the rearview mirror uh, when it's all done, which would be my job. And then you, you got all, all, all these different people working. And all the bays would be full. And then, and then as, as one car came in, another car would be done, restored. And it would drive out into the towns and villages preaching the gospel and proclaiming the good news in the synagogues and healing every kind of disease. And it would look out and find another car and see it as an old beat-up chassis, harassed and helpless, like a car without a mechanic. And it would come in and it would bring it in. It would pray that there'd be workers enough to take care of this thing. And it would go and bring that one in. And that would just keep going around and around and around. That living spring would not be a showroom, but that it would be a garage. Because the heart of God is this. He is in the restoration business. And restoration is a next step process. And as the worship band returns, here's my question for you. Because this is really what it comes down to. We all need to be restored. We're all in different parts of our restoration process. And you might be going, I just like tires, <laughs> right? I don't know where you are. But what I'd like you to do is ask the Lord God, what is your next step? What is that? Do you hear that? Oh, okay. Man, I'm like, Lord, I've never heard that before. <laughs> He's like, you're going too long in the sermon. Get, get out of there. Okay, it's just a car alarm. That freaked me out a little bit. Okay, sorry about that. All right, so I mean, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are, but here's the thing that we have to understand. For me... Maybe my car got keyed, and I'm just like, oh, man, and I, I got to buff it out and do all that. Maybe for you, you need a whole new engine. It's still the same thing. God is working it out, and the restoration process is so intimate. 